Good morning. Well, just like every time they tell us we're going to have winter weather, we didn't. <coughs> just never happens. I always love that. Winter warning. Might as well just go to the pool sometimes. Sorry, I got to get my life together. It's not happening real well. You, stay like that. Thank you. Before I jump into uh, what we're going to talk about today, which is uh, Luke, uh, basically part three, um, I want to I give a quick reference to something that happened just a week ago. Uh, we had something called Holiday Central that we were a part of as a church. And it's hard to even visualize a little bit what this, what this event does for the community as well as what it is as a whole. There's so many organizations they came together to make this happen. Uh, they had over 200 families that received cleaning supplies, food, um, clothing. Um, they had just over 100 families receive toys for their kids. Um, and it was just all at the mark here in town. And, and to hear things like Convoy of Hope had donated things, uh, to hear local churches and people in, the, in our community had donated things. And it all came together with several local churches, including us, uh, pulling this off. And let me just tell you, as a person that just hates logistics, I walk into that place just going, because I, I would have no clue. Like that would, it would literally be like a, a version of hell that I would walk into trying to organize all of this for people. But they had, this is some of the food. Uh, you cycle back through this so I can just kind of point. This is the cleaning supplies. All right, this is where I was. Uh, this is just some of the special gifts that they had that were just special uh, offer. Uh, I think they had special different offerings in that, but like perfumes and shampoos. Oh, wow, we made it in there. Look at those guys. Yeah, we worked real hard. <laughs> uh, but we had, uh, we had almost 20, I think, volunteers from Kingsway show up. I think there was over 80 there total. Uh, that was the toy section in the center. Uh, just, you guys, it was so cool to see, and, and it was fun to watch uh, these families show up and to see smiling faces that were willing to help, that, that were prepared to help. Prepared to help. We weren't waiting for the need to be overwhelming. And, and I just want to say thank you for playing a part of that if you came and volunteered. And I also want to let you know that next year, uh, if we're going to continue to do this, it might be something that you would say, hey, let's remember and let's, let's try to be a part of that next year. So those that helped, I know Shirley Wilmoth and all those volunteers, thank you so much for coming. I just want to let you know that that's going on sometimes even without your awareness, that God's at work in our community and through other churches and us, that God is faithful and he is good. So Holiday Central was awesome. It was so cool. So that being said, let's jump into week three of Luke, the gospel of Luke. And I have to tell you, I have cut more out of... Um, this, this series that I, that I felt comfortable with, uh, but somehow it's still two pages on my outline, okay? So we're, we're going to get through this, and we're going to make it work, but I want you to buckle up because we're going to travel a good distance today, but it's going to be worth it because in the end, I think you'll, you'll hear understood it, and you've read maybe Luke as a family, maybe Christmas morning, or you've heard it preached before, or maybe you just got curious about this whole Jesus guy, and you read it on your own. But you've never maybe seen some of the things that I'm hopefully going to point out to you because Luke is not a writer that's trying to hit the spots like on the surface and kind of skid us into the cross. You know, he's not just like, all right, yeah, 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 but this. Like he intentionally is putting each piece of the puzzle together for you and I. We are Theophilus, the man he is writing to. We are that person that knows a little bit about it, but wants more certainty, wants more clarity. And I'll tell you, the end of chapter 1 
is so incredibly deep and fun and and incredibly uh, uh, unfolding to what is really going on when we hear that Mary is going to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit that is God's Son. And when we say that and when we talk about it, so often we miss the real depth of what really is the miracle, of what really is going on. And I know for some of you, I I mentioned what I'm going to talk about now, and you just tuned out. You're like, I've heard that a thousand times. And others, you're like, yeah, I really am curious. Like, tell me about this. You know, we sing songs. I've heard some things, but I want more certainty. And I hope that today you kind of just tune in a little bit. And you tune to ask some questions. You might even say, you know what? I have some doubts, and maybe this is a good week for me to listen a little closer. Well, man, Christmas just doesn't seem to be good anymore. It just seems to be busy. And maybe I need to recapture why Christmas is worth celebrating and why it was tagged the Gospel of John, the good, or the Gospel of Luke, the good news of Luke. The good news. So with that being said, we are going to jump into verse 26. If you missed last week, you need to go back and just check it out at some point because I know most of you, if you're still reading through Luke, I'm so proud of you. Keep going. Keep going. You're halfway there. You can do it. You can do it. You're more than halfway. Last week, we talked about uh, Zachariah and his wife, Elizabeth. And we talked about how God came through and he showed new life and he gave new hope where there was none. And now we're picking up with Mary's story. And I told you last week with Zechariah, we jumped over this part because I forgot to mention Luke writes some of the longest chapters in the Bible. All right. And so some of you started reading one chapter a day of Luke and you got through chapter one and it was 78 or 79 verses. And you're like, I can't handle this. I signed up for one chapter, not three, you know, because you read something like it's crazy. But we're only going to read, we're literally only going to be at the end of chapter one after today, and this will be three sermons in. All right, so that's, that just tells you how dense this stuff is, and it's two pages. So we got to go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right, 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, remember I mentioned last week, it was a barren woman, older, well along in age. I think that was the way his husband her husband. <laughs> God sent the angel Gabriel. We've seen him before. He showed up to Zechariah in chapter 1, the, the beginning of chapter 1. To the Nazareth, a town of Galilee. Important. Galilee, the least likely, furthest away. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. And then it's like uh, Luke just wants to put a little highlight in here so you catch this. It's not like you and I really need it, but we, we need to know. Uh, he's a descendant of David. And you need to keep track of that, right? Because that is there for a reason. Anytime something like that is in there, he is trying to make sure that you're connecting the dots. So connect the dots. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings! You are highly favored. If there is one thing that I wish God would get into your soul during Christmas, it is that right there. Greetings. Highly favored. And the Lord is with you, which is such a cry of Joshua, some of the Old Testament stuff. But again, I can't go into everything. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. How in the world do you know me? I'm a 14-year-old girl that lives in a Galilee, not even close. I am property at this point in the world's economy. I am treated as such. My dowry of or the money that my father will give me is the only reason I'm even 
pledged to be probably married. Joseph only really wants me because he wants legacy and lineage, not really me because my value is devalued and I really have no future or a hope because I'm Mary. But yet, greetings. You are highly favored. And immediately she's like, I'm sorry, what? She was greatly troubled. But the angel said to her, remember I told you, every time the angel of God shows up, anytime a power of the presence of God shows up, it's do not be afraid. Mary, it's true. You have found favor with God. It's true. You hear it again. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. When they hear this, they hear God. This is language like the Mighty One, the Amazing One, the One that stands above us all, that sits above the earth, the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father who? There's that guy again. David. He just keeps showing up, doesn't he? Must be important. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will never end. <laughs> Keep in mind, 13, 14, 15-year-old girl in Galilee never can own property, can be traded or divorced like property, has no hope of a future, a job, or economy, is treated as such. But your son, well, he'll kingdom, he'll never, it'll never end. <laughs> when this is just an understatement of all understatements. How will this be? Key point. Since I am a virgin, <laughs> right? Now, this is really important, and I love that when I was studying with this little group this week, they pointed this out. Uh, Zachariah, in earlier chapter one, asked the question to Gabriel, and Gabriel made him not talk for nine months. You remember this? But somehow, Mary is going to get to ask a question and doubt, and nothing's going to happen to her. <laughs> and I was thinking about that this week. I'm like, why is that? Why was it true? And I think it's because... Zachariah, and, and this is just plain, Zachariah and Elizabeth had the means to claim, in the sense of this, they'd been married for long enough, they weren't virgins. Let's just link that, all right? And he should have known. He was praying for this. He was on his knees and asking for it. And God came and gave it to him. Mary hadn't been asking for this. <laughs> She's not like, you know what would be cool? <laughs> like, she hadn't had that thought once. This is a total surprise. And so Zachariah's question is coming from a place like, uh, you just asked for this. It just said you were on your knees praying for it. You should have had, what do you, what do you mean? Whereas Mary's question is coming from a total place of like, ah, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I know I may be young. I'm just trying to connect a few dots here <laughs> on how this could happen. And it's really neat, the description that Luke's give us, gives us to her answer to the question, because it's so incredibly important to see this. And I don't have the depth or the time 
to go into the depth of what this answer is, I'm going to do my very best in a very short time to tell you. The Holy Spirit will come on, on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One will be born and called the Son of God. Now, pause. This is such language of Genesis when, when the, the, the Spirit of God hovers over the deep, and the deep is like a barren womb. Does that make sense? There's nothing there. No life is present. There's not even the needed elements for life to happen. And then God shows up. And the Spirit of God lets there be light, right? And the light comes into the world, as John would say. The roho enters the darkness, and new life is born. This is not a new thing. This is a new, fresh start to something God's done before. And I don't even have the depth to tell you this, that Eve was the first one to sin, and it's funny that he's the one that she's going to use to fix and bring the help. Eve's the one that takes the apple, takes the palm through her. God is going to redeem the world in Mary. And a new Adam is born, wrapped in light and flesh. One that it will be perfect and will live up to. See how deep this is? It's crazy. It's two little verses. I didn't even put that in the notes. It's just free. I want to pause there. He's going to say this thing right here, and he's going to tell us the rest of the story that we just read. So here it is in verse 36. Even your Elizabeth, your relative, all right, is going to have a child in her, he doesn't beat around the bush, old age, all right? And she will say, she, will, uh, she was, uh, she who was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month. Oh, man, if you need to put something on a coffee cup, there it is, all right? For no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. And her response is so incredibly amazing. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Now pause. When she accepts this promise... This is public ridicule, family probably totally alienating her, possibly watching her betrothal to Joseph fall apart. This is her saying, okay, I have nothing. And everything I have, you are asking me to give up. But I'm in. I'm in. It is an incredibly faith-filled choice. It's an incredible choice. No hesitation. Three quick notes of even more things that I that I want a chance to point out to you before we move on. And I told you this is rich. The first one is this, favor. Anytime the Bible mentions favor, you just need to go and Google favor in the Bible. Just go Google it. It is 
everywhere. I mean, I'm talking Noah, Abraham, David, Jacob, Isaac, Joshua. This is a word that just means an abundance of blessing, a favor, something that God is going to lavish, that he sees you and sees you as worth it, sees you as something worthy of pursuit, worthy of a cause, worthy of more than what you currently have. And he wants to give it to you. And he sees you as that, someone worthy of favor. And so when he says this to Mary, and Luke chooses to use this language, it is literally him saying, this is the same language that has been God's faithfulness since the beginning. You are highly favored. It's really, really important. The second is, it's kingdom. His kingdom will reign forever. Remember, I talked about David We're going to get to him a little later, but I'm telling you, this is kingdom mindset. It's her going, okay, the reason I'm willing to make this sacrifice is because there is something bigger than me happening here. There's something larger than my choices that are at stake. Something bigger that is possible that I have heard from from my childhood that has been passed down now for generations that a new kingdom is coming. She's being told, you're a part of it. It's kingdom words, kingdom language. And the last one is this, no word from God will ever fail. This is a call to saying, I have been and I will continue to be faithful. Nothing that I have promised has gone unnoticed. Nothing that I have promised has gone unfulfilled. And I know what I have promised and I am longing to forgive and to fulfill it through you. It's powerful. Don't jump ahead. She says, I am a servant. I am your servant. Do with me. She will. And she has made that full surrender and commitment. So then six months into the pregnancy, she's going to go off and see her niece. I guess it's her aunt, probably. Verse 39, At the time, Mary got ahead and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house or home and greeted Elizabeth. Now, just remember, Joseph and her are not married. She's later on in her pregnancy. She is probably beginning to show this. Like, uh, maybe you got a face tattoo. And then you're about to walk into Thanksgiving and you didn't tell anybody? Like that apparent, all right? Just imagine that for a second. You got, I'm cool, across your forehead. And you're walking into Thanksgiving and everybody knows it. And they are not going to approve. And instead, this is what she hears. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. Oh man, I'm going to unpack that in a couple weeks. You're going to have to just come back to know what exactly. John the Baptist is in her womb, and I'm telling you, Jesus said himself, there has been none greater born to a woman than John the Baptist. And even as a baby, this guy's getting it right. It's crazy. Elizabeth was filled with the roho, which is the breath, which is the very thing that God would speak things into being, the very words of God. It is an illustration of the idea of God being fully present in what she is about to say, fully fulfilling what she's about to say. 
absolutely outpouring in a loud voice, not a quiet one, take her to the corner and go, baby, it's going to be okay. I got you. No, no, no. Loud one for the whole room to hear. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? You feel that? She's not embarrassed. She's not looking at that belly and thinking, girl, what the neighbor's going to say? She's on the ground. She's prostrate in her spirit. She is thinking, I don't, I, I didn't clean behind the, the fridge before you got here. I didn't vacuum. We're having sloppy joes. Why would you think that I'm worthy of this? Not only a child that I did not deserve, but now to host the king of kings, son? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby inside my womb leaped for joy. Aren't you in tune with what your creation is, ladies? I have never seen a more miraculous thing than watching a pregnant woman be so incredibly, like, just able to read what's going on. They're like, oh, yep, we need some wings. Yeah, like, oh, no, I got to pee. Yep, I'm going to go pee. But on the depth of it, right? I mean, every little thing, you can almost tell their temperament. Man, they're mad. Man, they're, they're excited right now. I like I would do this like I'm pregnant. I'm in trouble. <laughs> We're going to work on that. Health as well, 2020. That's my, that's my mantra, right? But can't you, I, I'm just watched some ladies do this, and it's incredible to watch this, this something. And, and this is something that she's, she's saying. Look, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. She notices what Mary is doing and the cost of it, and she's saying, awesome job. Keep going. You got this. Keep the faith. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. Girl, you're going to have it in a manger. We're going to talk about that later, but, you know, it's going to be rough. But your faith is going to sustain you. You are highly favored. That word blessed right there, very similar to highly favored. You are blessed. Now, I told you last week at this point in Zechariah and Elizabeth's story that Zechariah's baby is going to be born and then he's going to have this song. And I remember I told you the story about my first Christmas gift and chasing down all these clues that my parents made me go on a scavenger hunt to find my Christmas present one year. It made the gift all the more. And what's crazy is Zechariah has his song and Mary also has a song. And I told you last week that Zechariah's song had all these incredible references because Zechariah had been a priest and he had been in basically Bible school his whole life. So when he breaks out into song about the son of blessing that he's been given, he just breaks out into all these hymns and prophecies and talks about how God is faithful and how he can be trusted and how he is worthy of faith and how we can follow after him. And Mary, younger, 
doesn't quite have all the experience yet of the full nature, but her heart is full and she identifies herself with one character in specific in 1 Samuel. And I want to connect you to this because maybe you've never seen this before, but before we get to Mary's story, I want, you to tell, I want to tell you Mary's song's connections. This song that she's about to sing, because I know we sometimes just skim over these, are connected to lots of things. It's connected to Hannah's song in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And believe it or not, Hannah's song is about a barren woman. Hannah's song is about a barren woman that asks and pleads for life, for a newborn son. And that if God would give it to her, she would give it to the Lord. The next thing uh, that it promises in the conversation is actually in Samuel. And it's, it's in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16. And it's about Hannah's son, who is named Samuel, who anoints David. Remember David? We talked about him? So Hannah gets this son, and by the way, when Samuel, her son, receives his calling from God, guess what his response is? When the angel shows up and says, I have some things for you to do, guess what his response is? Anybody know? Samuel says, I am your servant. I am listening. Speak. Sound familiar? Chapter 16. Now that guy goes on a mission to anoint and and lead the nation of Israel and eventually lands to God's anointing of David. Samuel's the one that does it. But then David receives this promise in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Now this is where I'm not not going to read all these, so you're going to have to come back and check at least these two. I want you to look these up. This is incredible. But in 2 Samuel chapter 7, David David starts looking around his kingdom and he starts seeing these amazing palaces that he's built for himself and incredible things that that God has blessed him with. And he goes, I I have a house for myself. I got a house for my kids. Even the foreign gods have gods. I need our temples. I need to build the temple. And and God basically shuts him down. He's like, good idea, kind of. I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to build through your lineage, your bloodlines, a kingdom that will never end. And through your descendants, you will literally see the entire world blessed as a continuation of the promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 8. David receives it in his lineage in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And then, just to bookend it, David has his song at the end of 2 Samuel. And if you don't know the tragedy that is David's life, he is a man after God's own heart, but makes incredible mistakes, overwhelming mistakes, acts of depravity and murder, of disobedience, squandering, much of what he's been given and might possibly want to be one of the worst fathers in the entire Old Testament. We get his song. Now, why this is really important is because I'm going to read a section. I'm actually going to read all of Mary's song and then I'm going to read a section of Hannah's song and then I'm going to read a section of David's song. And I want you to see how you can watch 
Mary's song find its bits and pieces in these other two. She is crying out with the heart of the promise she's clinging to. She's crying out with the heart of the promise that she's clinging to. She sees herself in the story and her heart is full and she's going, okay, this is what my faith is clinging to. It's this, the promises of God that have been around for centuries now that I am now a part of. So her song starts in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of me, of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me favored, blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. That is such a key thought that he did not go to the political powers or the persuaders with the platform, but went to the humblest of lowest influencers and value and is now going to lift her up. He has fulfilled, he has filled the hungry with good things, a empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham's descendants and his descendants forever, just as promised to our ancestors. Now, that's good, right? It's good. Listen to a little bit of Hannah's. This isn't even the whole thing. It's just a piece. 1 Samuel chapter 2. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He, seats, he sits them with the princes and has them inherit a throne of favor, of blessing, of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. He is above it all. He will guard the feet of his faithful servant, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from the heaven and the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn as his Right Now, this is coming from Hannah, who has just received a child after years and is seeing what she is offering. She's taking this child, raising him till about eight years old, and then taking him to the temple, as she promised, to say, God, he is yours. He's been yours. He always will be yours. I don't know if there's a harder thing to do as a parent than surrender that you will not be able to control your child for the rest of your life. But he's, tr- he's trusting that God is faithful. Now read David's. It's a different. 
This is at the end of a man that's been gone from nothing. The forgotten son, when Samuel shows up, his dad literally forgot he had another son and was like, oh yeah, yeah, bring him in from the fields and gets chosen. Is the most literally pop star figure of the nation sings songs about him. David has killed his ten thousands. Saul has killed his thousands. I mean, he is the top guy. He has united the entire nation of Israel for the first time under one lordship. The kingdom is successful. He is doing amazing. And then he fails, and he fails, and he fails, and he falls, and he forgets. And then he sings. He reached down from on a high And he took hold of me. He drew me out of the deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted Favored, honored, blessed me. Mary's song is so incredibly beautiful, and it's it, on its own when you read it, it's amazing. But the fullness of what she is trying to say is I believe that the descendant of David that is in my womb, that will have a father of earthly descendant but will have the life of the eternal descendant of the Holy Spirit, the light of the world, as his true father. That will come from my womb by not my works or an act, but by God's will and his power is a display of the gospel in the purest form. Her song reveals the gospel in its purest form form. And if you today, you are not mistakers. We are sinners. The power of the gospel is found in this. We are not mistakers. We're sinners. Mistake is on accident. A mistake is not remembering or not really understanding the consequence. A mistake is something that you and I make sometimes when we have a bad day or we miscalculate or we get selfish. But we're not just mistakers, you guys. I'm not just a mistaker. We're sinners. We choose it. Even when we know it's not good for us. Even when we know it's not right even when we know it will hurt the people we love the most, even when we know it is not really what we want, we pick it anyways. We choose it anyways. And listen, if, if, if Christmas has lost its goodness, if Christmas has lost the good news effect in your heart, it's because you think you're a mistaker looking for less mistakes rather than a sinner looking for good news of favor. You're a sinner. I am a sinner. We are so broken. And if Christmas doesn't reveal it to you, I don't know what else does. Our selfishness, our schedules, the craziness, we snap at strangers and then our mothers in the same week. 
We get jealous, we compare, we get frustrated, we get angry, then we get sad, and we feel lonely. And God has said, no, 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 you're not just making mistakes, that is who you are, and I need to show you favor. You are a sinner, but I have blessing for you. The good news of Christmas, if you're waiting for it, if you need it, is this, that we are in good favor with God. And this is the new kingdom being born in Jesus. It's not off what you've produced. It's not your ability to stop making mistakes. You are a sinner. You are Mary. You have no option, no value, no future. You are far from God, far from what you were intended to be. And yet God says, it's choose you. You are highly favored in my eyes. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will teach you a new way to live that will be a part of a new kingdom. And it will change everything. Not mistakes. Who you are. And I don't have time to go into every piece because I, I want to. I want to tell you that Acts chapter 2 is the exact same birth of the church that it is of the birth of Jesus. And that the birth of the church is to a humble, broken group of sinners that receive the Holy Spirit that is now what we are. And Luke puts them in chapter 2 and then Acts chapter 2 intentionally so you can see that. And then I want to tell you John 3.16, where Nicodemus, the man that has received the law, who is trying not to make mistakes, receives not more instructions, but rebirth in new life. Because he doesn't realize he's a sinner. And then he needs help. And that he's broken. So my hope for Christmas for you is that you feel the weight, not of your mistakes, but of your sin. And it breaks you for all the right reasons. Because Christmas will become good again. It will become good news again. Not another year of tricks and gifts or hopes and dreams, a physical, but a kingdom of life newness it will seep into your soul I am humble underneath your feet I am nothing without you but I know you are a God that takes humble broken people and you lift them up to the place on high I am your servant I surrender to you thank you for this goodness A kingdom will be born from that. Because it's here right now. Don't miss the next two weeks. Next week, especially as we finish kind of this thought, but the Christmas Eve's Eve service, I'm excited to pull this all together and to be able to just have good news before Christmas, you guys. Keep reading, Luke. Let the stories of Jesus just wash over you as you're kind of learning this whole thing as it kind of becomes unfolded as God is showing you. But this week, don't, don't say, I, oh man, just keep making mistakes. Just go, you're right, I am a sinner, but I have good news. 
on my heart. I have good news. Great joy comes to you today. Savior is going to be born. And he's for you. And he's for me. Not to take away mistakes. To bring a new kingdom to sinners.